0: I always have this, I feel awkward pause when I come into the pulpit because I have to turn on this recording device or I'll be in trouble with Beth, of course. But she's probably a lot faster at this than I am, you know, I'm just... So this morning's readings, well, we could begin with our ageist. I mean, if they pointed out Abraham's age one more time... (laughs) I mean, both readings, it is a great temptation to just preach some wild sermon on a 100-year-old Abraham, getting the ball rolling for the good Lord above, but I will not, that was really tempting, because who wants to preach about the cross? It's so difficult, but it is Lent, so I observed a little Lenten discipline and went right to the gospel. Where we read this morning, then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, Well, and immediately he turns to the disciples and says, tell nobody until the Son of Man is risen. That's what uh, scripture scholars like to call the messianic secret in Mark. Every time Jesus announces his death, he says, but don't tell anybody. Very interesting, and uh, I'm never quite untangled what that is all about. But our passage today is significant in our Lenten journey. Because it's here in this passage that we begin to turn to Jerusalem. Up to this point, we've been tempted in the desert, and we've been up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and we've been in the blessings of Epiphany. But now, on this second Sunday in Lent, we turn our faces with Jesus and his disciples to Jerusalem. And Jesus is trying to unpack for his disciples, for us, the true nature of his messiahship and what it will mean to follow him. These are the critical pieces for those of us who are on a journey as seekers. The text of the Gospels, except for some of these passages, focus on the ministry of healing, the ministry of compassion, the ministry of teaching, what else is there with the following of Jesus? We shift to the cross at this point. The narrative proceeds, and we, along with Jesus and the earth, his earthly companions, are challenged to open our minds and our hearts to the mystery of the cross. Remember, Jesus rebukes Peter, for not wanting to hear about the cross. This mystery of the cross for us, for anyone, makes no real logical sense, nor is it comfortable. It's a mystery of our faith that Christ came among us, lived among us, and died in this way That being said, we can seek a deeper understanding and find in this mystery the empowering grace of God as we wrestle with injustice, illness, wrongful suffering, death, all of this that surrounds us. To wrestle with it is not to put our head in the sand. A serious error is for us is to consider that Jesus' death on the cross was somehow a divine imperative. It has sort of a magical aura. Christ's death on the cross is the direct result of his behavior, if you will, if his beginning the movement, of his preaching the gospel to the powers that be, whether they were the civil or religious powers. And so it's important for us to accept that Christ was crucified by human beings. And we are, in fact, human. And so Christ's death is a very complex reality for us. We understand Jesus' ministry of naming injustice, which got him in all kinds of trouble and his care for the oppressed, which seemed to likewise be troublesome, and this all led to his death on the cross. If we translate this just a little bit for ourselves, and we see that when we are called to be compassionate or to call the powers that be attention to some issue in our community, some Low-income housing comes immediately to mind. Hunger will be having a presentation after this service. These are the things that get you in trouble. My zitzem leben, as they say, my situation in life is that we live in Alexandria right now. And I suppose somebody's heard about an arena that everybody is fighting about. So it's very interesting to hear the contrasting views. Some are, of course, as selfish as they could possibly be, and others are mindful that in order for a community to be diverse, some other kind of development is needed. Some care, schools, all of that. So you get yourself in trouble when you stand up for something that you believe in. And I think that's what Jesus was talking about with his disciples. Get some backbone because it's going to be a rough road and it will not end well. However, as we Christians know, there is the rest of the story. And that's the heart of our faith. So I could be tempted to go into a whole list of the injustices that we face in our cities, counties, nation, world, but I don't think we need to get lost in the forest of injustice. But name it and move forward, understanding our agency and our discipleship. What is the role what is our role as we walk with Jesus and work toward bringing God's work in the world to fulfillment? One of the the challenge of doing this in our everyday life seems a bit overwhelming, but I have faith that when we step out in faith and embrace whatever cross Christ has put before us, then we will be doing God's justice and living and giving life-giving action. When I reflect on this, I think about the time when this was Mm -hmm. at least 30 years ago, maybe 35, as pastor of the Church of St. Clement. I received a phone call from the pastor of Mead Memorial Episcopal Church in Alexandria. That is a historically black community. And they needed to rebuild the building, holding onto the historic facade. So they needed to move out. And he said, well, can we use your church in the afternoon? I said, excuse me, aren't we both Episcopalians? Can't we worship together? It just seemed so sensible. But apparently, it was a much bigger deal in the community than I realized. The local paper shows up and takes pictures of us together, notably one little white acolyte and one little African American acolyte. And I began to realize that this hospitality to the other was more than just, aren't we both Episcopalians? We worked together. We shared leadership. I have to tell you, it wasn't easy. Two rectors in the same building doing the same services can be pretty bad. (laughs) There are many stories that I could tell about how bad and difficult it was and how our traditions just sometimes smashed into each other. I remember Doug Wilder, former governor, running for governor, and in the African-American tradition, politicians come and give the sermon. He showed up one day expecting to give the sermon. So I had to say, sorry, no deal. You can speak, but you can't give the sermon. It was, you know, and of course, half the church was mad at me and half was breathing a sigh of relief. That's the way it is in the real world when we take up our cross to witness to God's love. But because we were a faith community, we were able to have, you know, one altar guild out of two, one Sunday school out of two, services together and reflect together on how different this was, what it meant for us. In the end, when Meade returned to their new structure, we, St. Clements, donated a window. And the window, to me, is the most significant uh, part of what we did because it lasts and we can look at it, I can hold it in my mind's eye and in my heart And it is the picture of two women, one black, one white, running from the tomb to announce the resurrection. That said it all for me, that we came together, we had our moments, to put it mildly, and at the end of the day, we shared in the announcement of the resurrection. And so, my brothers and sisters, this morning, think about those little things that you don't think are a big deal, like let's go to church together. And it becomes something much more than just that simple act. It shines a light on the gospel and on the cross and how we as believers accept the uncomfortable, are willing to be challenged, are willing to challenge. We are willing to do God's justice, not just talk about it. And for us, then, we come down to understanding that those who resist the oppressive power structures of the status quo in a quest for justice experience Challenges. And this is a quote from a commentary The empire always strikes back. <laughs> I think, you know, we can hold on to that. Yeah. yeah. So I guess I'm saying, friends, this morning, you know, we've set ourselves up for a rough ride because we're followers of Jesus. And the Ride can be bumpy but we know where we're headed. Sometimes someone'll say to me, "Do you believe in heaven, you know, the three-tiered universe?" I say, "I really don't know. I really do not understand eternal time." But I do believe that we are journeying in our here and now into eternal time. And we are journeying with Jesus, and Jesus will rebuke us if we deny the cross. So as we so easily say, take up your cross and follow me, Jesus says. God's power cannot be thwarted, and the kingdom will come. Eventually, the empire will not be able to strike back. Let us take up our cross and follow Jesus. Amen.